as I mentioned in the little leaflet that was put out just prior to Christmas, um, the last few weeks have been a different time for me, myself personally, and for Elizabeth um, in my own experience of life. Little did I think on the first Sunday of December when we were gathered here and we remembered dear loved ones who had entered into their eternal rest. And I know many of you found that quite moving, and it was right that we should do that and remember that before we moved on to another year. But little did I think, although I wasn't feeling too well that Sunday, I'd been up during the night with my tummy, I didn't think then that we'd end up in Herr Meyer's Hospital. And, and that experience was actually a good experience. It was a good experience, firstly, because of the care of the medical staff. Uh, we may have issues about the NHS and how it's managed, but we certainly shouldn't have issues about the care of medical staff and those who are working in the front line and the pressures that they are under, not just from COVID, but for many other issues. And so it was a good experience for me to see that on the other side of the bed, so as to speak. But it was also a good experience. Can I say to you, it was actually a very moving experience to be in my bed and join the Zoom prayer meeting on the Saturday morning. Um, I didn't pray out loud, obviously. That would have been because it was a ward with a bunch of guys and all the rest of it. But actually, what Ian or Elizabeth or somebody were just praying for the medical staff just at the very point that one of the nurses came to stick something into me. And she could see I was watching something. And she was, I said, no, it's okay, because I was, was in silence. So they didn't hear, but it's okay. Actually, I said... You're just being prayed for just now. And the girl was deeply moved. She's going about her work, and here there was folk praying for her and others like her. And then on the Sunday, I watched the service, Dean's faithful ministry, and the young people in Karen. And I actually, I have to say, I was that desperate for spiritual encouragement. I actually, do you know what? I actually listened to one of my sermons. No, I don't do that. Bless you saints for doing it week after week. Um, but this one came up automatically after listening to Ian. I have to say, it was actually quite good. <laughs> no, it was one of my better. It was the Sunday that Ashley was baptized. And I was speaking from First John, the amazing love of God. And it did, I have to say, it did minister to me, as Ian's message did. Afterwards, the guys, they were all watching. It was Dubai, the, you know, the race, the motor, you know, the race. The, you know, and they were all getting geared up to watch the telly. So I think they thought I was watching it privately. And one of the guys said, um, and what are you watching? And I said, well, actually, I'm watching a service. And I said, oh, right. <laughs> But that same fellow, I'm sure he's probably not listening, had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer that week. And I do pray for him every day that in the challenge of his circumstances, he and others like him would hear and know the word of life. And so it was a good experience from that sense, because all things do work together for good with those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But however good the experience was of watching online, and I know many of us have done that for a period, and there's a number this morning who are laid aside for various reasons, who have been rightly advised to stay at home because of the current crisis with Omicron, and are watching from elsewhere and other times and other places. However good that is, there's nothing like being together with the Lord's people. 
And as Graham very helpfully last Sunday led us through Psalm 121, my eyes were drawn to the beginning of Psalm 122, another song of ascent, a song of pilgrimage. And surely, especially as we do enter into this new year, that theme of journeying, that theme of pilgrimage, that theme of moving on is at the very center, not only of life. My dad, all those years ago, saying, ah, well, you see, the day will come when the diaries will pass quite quickly. I thought, oh, flat, you know. But he was right. The years move on. The days become the weeks, the months, and not just the years, but the decades. I look at things in the 1990s and think, oh, that was just not that long ago. 30 years it was. But that idea of journeying, that idea of moving on, which is at the part of the story of the pilgrimage people going up to Jerusalem, that reminds us of what should be at the very heart of the pilgrimage of God's people. Listen again to those opening verses from Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates Jerusalem. This is a song of ascents from King David. So it's good to note this is David. The temple has not been built. Other Psalms written later, they're going to the temple, Solomon's temple. But the temple's not been built. But nonetheless, David's longing as he goes with others on that dangerous journey, as I say, is all that Graham reminded us last week of bandits by night and the heat of the sun by day and everything else, the dust and the dirt and all the hassles of going. There was no cars or motorways or anything else, and there was no online presence. They actually went physically to the place, but it was worth it. It was worth it as they entered into Jerusalem, that city set upon a hill. And as David testifies, as he stands inside that city, his heart, his soul, his life is filled with joy as he hears and as he picks up the vibe from the rest of the pilgrims that we can't wait to be in the Lord's presence and in the Lord's house. And some of us here, in fact, many of us I know can testify to that. I still remember way back 2007 when this church was reopened after being closed for six, seven, eight months when a major renovation took place. And I appreciate all of us remember that, but others of us do. And I remember, Meryl, for instance, I remember you coming in that Sunday night. I think you were pleasantly surprised by the decor. I remember you remarking on that, how nice it was. I think you probably were frightened in case we were going to make it into some kind of nightclub or, you know, multicolored rainbow effect or something. And that joy that evening, although we'd been worshiping in the hall, that joy that evening to come into this house of the Lord. Yes, we can meet with God everywhere. The poem, you can meet with God in the garden and all the rest of it. Of course, as believers, we set apart Jesus Christ as Lord. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we can know Him in our lives. And that is foundational and fundamental. And yet, just being able to gather in a place that's been set apart for worship above everything else is a joy and a blessing. I can think of Jim up there in the balcony. I hope you don't mind me naming names here this morning. Um, but you spoke of how one Thursday evening when the church began to reopen, we had to have quiet times and it wasn't, there was no services and everything. And you, you and Isabel had been faithful, listening online and appreciating that. But just the difference of coming in and sitting quietly in the sanctuary. It's a privilege 
is a blessing to be together, and most importantly, to be with the Lord and to know His presence. And those pilgrims going up to Jerusalem rejoiced in that. And indeed, the words, when it says rejoice, and when it says let us go, actually does the old-fashioned, I think it's orthodox, let us go up. It's this idea of yearning, of journeying, of going up, of entering in. And it's not just a physical movement, it's a stirring of the heart, of the lifting of the spirit, and of the looking up, and the being raised up. All of that is included in what it means when the psalmist speaks of the joy of being in the Lord's house. Now, this is not, of course, the temple in Jerusalem. And in the light of the New Testament, we accept and recognize that Jerusalem in that sense, although it has a place in the purposes of God, as Israel does in His purposes in these days, the new Jerusalem, of course, is what ultimately we are looking towards, not going physically to Jerusalem to a physical temple, but to the new Jerusalem. We've spoken of that often here in the church, and maybe that's why some folk actually do listen to the messages, because unfortunately, it's not always a message that's clearly heard in the church today, that as God's people, we have that longing. Let me just read to you again those verses from Revelation chapter 27. Come, the angel said, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me, in the, carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had great high walls with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates in the east, three in the north, three in the south, and three in the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And then going on, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it, and nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And as David journeyed physically up to Jerusalem, as he entered into that city, and his longing, of course, was that a temple should be built. And because of his grievous sin, he wasn't allowed to build the temple. Jerusalem was to build the temple. But nonetheless, as you look to these physical embodiments of God in his midst, no doubt David here is also being prophetic. He's looking forward to that new Jerusalem that I read about there, to that glorious reality when all of God's people, drawn from all the world, from all the tribes, will come together to worship the Lamb who was slain for us. And my friends, that is at the heart of any gathering of God's people. Even this morning, although we're scattered in this church, nonetheless, this is a foretaste. This is just a little inkling of the glory of the day when all of God's saints will enter into that glorious place and will worship God forever. That, my friends, should fill our hearts with joy and with hope 
and with confidence. The writer of the book of Hebrews, writing to Christians who were under pressure because of persecution and were being tempted and somewhere going away and pulling back and and being less responsive to the good things of God as they once were. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 12 and verse 22 to encourage them with that big picture. He writes this, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels and joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And every time, when believers gather together, where two or three gather together in the name of Jesus as He promises, and He is there in their midst. That is a pointer, a taster of that glorious reality, the communion of the saints, the church Catholic universal, of that new Jerusalem, that Zion, the city of the living God. And David, no doubt, as a prophet of God as well as a king, a prophet, a priest, and a king, so David sensed that, as indeed all those who wrote these songs sensed that when they went up to that dusty, compact, city of Jerusalem on their pilgrimage. And that's why, of course, it's a joy and a privilege to do this. It's not the same. I really, I mean, it was just lovely to see people on the balconies, but it's not the same. The singing's not the same. I know, I know all of that sitting at home or sitting in in a hospital. It was a privilege to be able to watch things, but it's not the same. We know that. But perhaps through all of this, God is using this to teach us the deeper realities of what it is to be a worshiping people. Not primarily determined, it does help, but not primarily determined by the numbers or the crowd or the atmosphere or any of these human things, but determined by the fact that the Lord delights to inhabit the praises and the company of His people. And can I say, in particular this morning, bear with me for a minute as I address the camera, can I say to those this morning, and I'm not speaking here to those who are laid aside, and I know there are some who are laid aside who are not able to be with us, or those who have been rightly warned or encouraged at the present time not to come out because of Omicron and the challenge of that. I fully understand that. I myself was encouraged by the medical thing to take care. I'm not speaking about that at all. But to those of you, whether you're members of this fellowship or a church somewhere else, and for good reasons or not so good reasons, 22 months ago you decided to stay at home or had to stay at home because of lockdowns. But 22 months later, 
I have to say to you, seriously, in the name of Jesus Christ, the king and head of the church, it's time to use the words of a banner that often the chapel, the Catholic church puts outside. It's time to come home, to return to the people of God in person, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because not to do that means that you're damaging yourself. You're distancing yourself from the blessing of fellowship. You're absenting yourself from the company of God's people. I'm sad to say, but there will be consequences for that. Hear what God's word says. Let us hold unswervingly, the same writer, the book of Hebrews, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Time is running out. The day is drawing nearer. The opportunity to gather in fellowship is vital. I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. And then he goes on very briefly, then he goes on to give us some insight as to why this house and this place is so important. Reading on, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of God. Again, this Christmas, we had the opportunity, thankfully, despite the restrictions and concerns about variants, most of us at least had the opportunity in some kind of way to meet, unlike last Christmas, where we were very much restricted and we were facing even more dramatic challenges in the months that lay ahead. But however small or however distant, however challenging the opportunity is, there is something, isn't there, about a family coming together. It's very easy, isn't it, online to still keep in contact, but we don't pick up in body language. We don't always sense just how people are responding. Can I say misunderstandings can be taken out of things that are said? They're not meant to be said, perhaps in the way they appear, but the way they sound are from a distance. And so it's important for families to come together and to have that opportunity. And thank the Lord, our civil powers recognize that. That's one of the main reasons why we're not back in another lockdown, because they recognize the damage that takes place to relationships if people are forced to stay apart. Well, Jerusalem, and of course this is a metaphor here, not just of a building being closely compacted, but the idea of people being closely compacted. This is a picture of what God's people are meant to be like, closely gathered together. 
He goes on and he talks about the tribes going up, the tribes of the Lord. It's a place where there is diversity, people drawn from different backgrounds and cultures and, and, and positions geographically and otherwise in life. And they're drawn together and they're closely connected to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. And there, they, there stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of the David. We live in a very divided society, do we not? I just heard this morning on the radio a consultant who was expressing his opinions, and I have to say he expressed very good opinions, challenging those who would say that vaccines should be compulsory. He was a senior consultant working in COVID wards, but he was challenging the idea that we should force people to do that. Now, we all have different views about that. I appreciate that. Even within my own congregation, I can tell you there are different views. But nonetheless, right away, there's a reaction. And people get excited, and words are said, and things are expressed that perhaps in calmer times and calmer places they wouldn't be. That spirit of disunity, which of course ultimately finds its source in the evil one, who delights to be the father of half-truths and lies, and delights to cause disunity and division and hostility between people, all of that is being played out within our society and within our world. But the church is meant to be a symbol of a radically different domain. In the same way as Israel, the people of Israel, as a covenanted people of God, were to be a light to the nations. Their life together was to bear witness to the radical difference and blessing of living under God's ways and with Him at the center, so the church of Jesus Christ, the you Israel of God, is called to do the same. We are called to be united. That doesn't mean we always agree about everything, but we do agree that at the very heart is the praise and the worship and the honoring of God. It is a place where there is order. That's what actually speaking about here. There stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. There is to be order. There is a right sense of godly authority. There is to be structure. There is to be unity in the things of God and the truths of the faith. But the sad reality is, as we know, that that is not always the case in the church, and especially over these past 20, 22 months. The church has been divided. The church in many places has been fractured. Through Elizabeth's ministry and work, we hear of congregations where people have not returned, especially. And can I give credit this morning to you, the families, who have responded and give credit to Karen and Graham, who have set an example and encouraged you in that. Because there's churches where they had large numbers of families and all the rest of it, and they've disappeared like snow off the dike. Because let's be honest, it's a lot easier when you've got a busy week and you're both working and you've got families and all the rest of it. Well, it's a lot easier to stay at home and switch it on at a time that suits you, rather than having to get up and get out at half past ten on a Sunday morning. Or where people have been filled with so much fear that they just keep away, because they think as soon as they enter that door, they're going to get struck down with COVID. And all of that, and so much more, has weakened and divided the church. That's not how it's meant to be. We are to be closely compacted together. There is to be diversity, but there is to be unity in our worship of God and our acknowledgement of Him and His authority and His work to bring the order and confidence and certainty that this world needs to see. And how sad it is to hear that COVID, or rather the devil who uses it to sow discord and disunity within the church, and to spread even further that lie 
of convenience Christianity, where Christianity and the church and the things of God become a bit like an app that we have on our phone that we can tap into when it suits us, but when we aren't really that bored, we can just leave it and ignore it and even delete it if it suits us. It challenges that picture of convenience Christianity which some have bought into, and which is a lie and denies what it is to be a part of the church of God. And lastly, and we're pressing on here, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Can I say to you that I'd never really noticed before in this psalm, that little bit, verse 8, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. That challenges, first and foremost, the me-centered view of Christianity. You know, it's all about me, and God's going to bless me, and it's all about me, and then that doesn't happen well. You know, there's that bigger picture, that concern for others, a spiritual concern for others. I've been reminded just a few weeks before uh, the devotionals, and Phil and others will testify, I had, in the context of the devotionals, had said that as I get older, the, the hope of heaven and the realities become more real. Now, at no point was I facing death, but I was ill on the road to sepsis and peritonitis. My concern was for you. And my prayers, and on Tuesday night we're going to begin thinking about that, is for the future the folk who have never darkened the door of this church, for this community, for the work of God in and through this place. Whether I'm here or not, God has a purpose for us. But that has to be a matter of prayer. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray literally for the peace of Jerusalem, the city in Israel. But we pray for the peace within the church. We recognize that it's those who love God and love His people will know that security. We pray for that peace. And of course, when it talks about peace here, it's the shalom of God, a very important concept. We're talking here not about a peace where there's a lack of war and strife. This nation has known peace in that kind of ways for 75, 80 years since ending the Second World War. But would you say this morning that our nation was at peace? No. Because peace is far more than the absence of actual conflict. This peace speaks, the shalom of God speaks of harmony, of unity, of just a sense of togetherness. Now, that does not mean we're all the same and all that. It doesn't mean that. That peace of God which passes all human understanding. It transcends the differences, the diversities. And yes, the different opinions we can all have. But there's a unity, a harmony, a security, a well-beingness. That's a word. When God's people have at their heart a desire to see God's house, and here we're not talking about a building, but the work of God, God's people prosper for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your prosperity. I long, I never thought, I actually always hoped it'd end up back in the pulpit because the building was so full that everybody would go back upstairs as well as downstairs. 
perhaps that will happen. But not my time, but let's pray that that will happen. Not because numbers matter, but because it will be a sign of the Spirit of God stirring the hearts of our community with a longing to meet with Jesus and to rediscover the privilege of worshiping the only eternal God, the creator of heaven and earth, and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that your longing this morning to see this place filled with people seeking the Lord? But that's why it was built all those years ago. And up and down our land, we pray for the sake of our families and friends that the Lord's people, the Lord's house, will know the shalom of God. Who thought in my own life five weeks ago, wherever it was, what was going to happen? And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It certainly brought home to me. None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But I do know that Jesus Christ said that he would build his church. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And that nothing in all creation can separate us, as Graham quoted last Sunday, from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that all things do work together for the good of God's people. That doesn't mean they're always good, but they work together for the good of God's people who are called according to His purpose because they bring us closer to Him and fill our hearts with joy as we look to that day when all of us will enter into that new Jerusalem and we will worship the Lamb who was slain I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord.